Hey, thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Relevant Church. We are so thrilled and excited to see what God has planned for your life with this message. We know you're going to enjoy it. Sit back, relax. God bless. John chapter 5, verse 1. I'm going to pray and then I want to jump right in. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that your word is alive. Thank you that we get to come and gather and worship you, Lord. Worship you with our hearts so that our worship reaches you. But also, Lord, we open up our hearts so that we may receive your word. We don't come to church to hear from a man or a woman. We come to church to hear from your spirit, who's the teacher of the church. So, Holy Spirit, I ask that you invade us right now. Capture us and take us to a whole nother level in your word and in your understanding so we may understand the heartbeat of God for our life. And Lord, as you're blessing us here at Relevant Church, I ask that you bless all the other churches that are preaching your gospel. We lift up Harvest this morning, the Grove, Sandals Church, Magnolia uh, Avenue Church, and the Baptists, the Methodists, the Presbyterians, Pentecostals, Charismatics, Calvary Chapel. Father God, we ask that you bless our Catholic brothers and sisters, all those who are seeking you, Lord. May you just, just capture their hearts too this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, and everyone says... Text says, after there was after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, there is a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man who was there who has been invalid for 38 years. Wait, I'll pause real quick. If you notice, verse 3 jumps to verse 5, and there's a skipping of verse 4 in your Bibles if you're reading the ESV version. Do you, do you notice that? Some of you may have NIV or other versions. reason why it's skipped is because the earliest manuscripts do not contain verse 4. And so if you're properly reading the ESV, my Bible of choice, you'll notice that they don't add anything that wasn't there originally. Okay, Uh, other versions may insert some things that were added by scribes later on. And this is why I believe in studying, studying through the English Standard Version. You can devotionally read any Bible, but if you want the accuracy of what was originally said, sometimes you have to uh, go to a more authoritative version. That was for free. So... In these, verse 3, lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. Get up, take your bed, and walk. Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once, the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. Have you ever been stuck? Like, like really, really stuck. Like, you're in trouble. I remember uh, a few years ago, I was in Lincoln, Nebraska, and, and uh, I, I was driving to go hang out with some of my friends. I think we were going to go out and do some things uh, that included a lot of sin and, and stuff like that. This was before the Lord. But as I was driving to go meet up with my homeboy crew, I, um, uh, I noticed that there was a car pulled over on the side of the road, and, and there were two girls that were just kind of hanging out looking for help. Their, their hood was up, and they were just standing there. And I was like, oh, my goodness, it's my chance to be a hero today. 
I can help out these girls, and, and there's two of them. I have a better chance of getting a girlfriend <laughs> with two. One may reject me, but at least there's one more that I might charm. So I pulled over, and, and, and they had jumper cables. They, they said the car just stopped on them, and they, it wouldn't start. And so they were wondering if I could help them with a the jump. And I was like, of course, ladies. I, I, I do this all the time. I, I help old ladies and, and other other things like that, and, and so I, I went, I pulled the car uh, in front of theirs, and we tried to jump it, and nothing was happening. A few minutes later, an old man pulled over, and I was like, oh my goodness, this old geezer is going to take away my chances. He probably knows a thing or two about cars, whereas I'm just faking it, trying to get a date. And, 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 and he, he pulled over, and he, he came, and he looked at the car, and, and he was like a, a southern guy, you know, a southern old guy, and he's like... Y'all, y'all, young, young ladies, y'all in trouble. Yeah. And the car has problems, but it's not the battery. You know, they don't even say battery in the, battery in the South. They say battery, you know. So it's not the battery. And he got in his car and he drove off. And I basically tried to give my phone number. Um, they never called, but I didn't help them. They were stuck. And they had a method by which they felt as if they were going to be able to to get their car going again. And that method was jumping the the battery, but that was not what was going to fix their problem. Have you ever had a method that you felt was going to work for you, and you were only banking on that one method? And, and, And sometimes God has a different method, but you are only seeking him to help you with your own method. You're only trying to find a solution that, that's working based upon your, your principles and your philosophies and your ways of understanding. John, in John chapter 5, is, is continuing his, his theme, uh, speaking about the person and the character and the, and the, the nature of who Jesus is. And, and, and in John chapter 2, he introduced a, a theme that now is, we, we, we are introduced to it again, this theme of, of water. In John chapter 2, the first miracle that Jesus performs is that he turns water into, not grape juice, into wine. He turns it into wine, and, and, and the people are amazed, and, and, and the, the, the disciples are, are glorifying him for, for doing this miracle. And the theme that we were able to draw from John chapter 2 was that the water jars that the water was in were used for Jewish purification. And so Jesus, in one miracle, is saying that the waters of purification are not a match for the new wine of my kingdom. And then in John chapter 4, we meet this woman at the well who's coming at the, mid, at the midday hour, the hottest part of the day, to, to draw water from this well. And, and this woman is, is, is devoted to religion. It's an aberrant form of religion. It's not the pure form of religion. And Jesus tells her, you Samarians worship what you do not know. You're sincere, but you're sincerely wrong. You're devout, but your devotion is unfounded. You don't even know who God is, even though you claim to be devoted to him. And he's saying, the water of your aberrant religion is not enough to satisfy. You need the water that I provide. John chapter 5, this water theme appears again. There's a man who's been invalid for 38 years. 30, I'm 37 years old right now. I, I, I think that I've lived for a long time. It feels that way at least sometimes. 
For 38 years, this man has, has been invalid. He's not been able to move around by himself. He's depended on, on other people to move him from place to place. Now, the thing about it is that sometimes you can be stuck in a dysfunction and build an economy around your dysfunction. An economy around your disease. An economy around your, 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 your failure. This man has been used to people carrying him from place to place. He's been used to coming to this place, to this, this pool of Bethesda. Bethesda uh, is an Aramaic word that, that means house of outpouring or house of, of mercy or house of two pourings of mercy. In, in those days, the idea or the notion of going to a place and, and, and uh, bathing and, and experiencing healing through that pool was not something that was far-fetched. Not even in Jewish culture was it far-fetched. You remember the story, uh, some of you uh, who, who went to Sunday school, you remember the story of Naaman. Naaman has, has a bout of leprosy, and, and the man of God tells him, go to the Jordan River and bathe, and there you'll be healed. So this idea of going into a pool and, and bathing is not one that's unfounded even in Jewish religious culture. The, the Greeks had a pool in, 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 in Corinth where they believed that if you went into the waters, you'd be healed. Even today, there are some people who go to different springs around the country in order to bathe there and find healing. You go to India, and there's a whole area, a whole place where people are dipping themselves in those muddy waters in order to be healed. So this idea of going into the waters and coming out healed is not far-fetched. It's, it's, it's there. It's in our culture today. It was there back then. This man, day in, day out, has taken up residence by this pool. This is my method. This is the means by which I am going to experience breakthrough. This, maybe there was one person, maybe there was one person who experienced some miraculous healing. Maybe it wasn't even a, a spiritual type of healing that came from God, but maybe it was a, a, a lying wonder that the devil had enacted in order to build up a cult so that people would come to the temple and, and want to experience healing from something that was other than the temple who the temple was built for. Day in, day out, he comes. He's brought, and he lays there. Uh, the, the, the mystery, and in some of your versions, you, you get the context uh, that the scribes uh, added in later on about how they, the, 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 the myth was that, that, that the pool would stir, and an angel of the Lord was, was responsible for going down and stirring the waters. What, what's been found is that there was actually an underground spring that would cause the stirring of the waters. But the myth was there was an angel who would come and stir the waters. And whoever was in first, whoever got in first would experience healing. But, but these people didn't understand the kingdom principles that, that Jesus would later teach and say that the, the, the first will be last and the last will be first. It's, it's not about an order of, of who gets in first with God. Amen. This man had placed his trust. And verse 6, 
everything changes. The title of my message is, is um, The Changes for Transformation. The Changes for Transformation. Verse 6, we see Jesus enter into the scene. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been there for a long time. Jesus saw him lying there and knew. It doesn't say that Jesus was told by somebody. It doesn't say that, that Jesus was, was waiting for this man to, to raise his hand and say, Jesus, son of David, come and help me. But rather it was Jesus saw him in his belief or unbelief saw him lying there and knew that, that, that he had been there for a long time. He approached him. Now, the thing about this is this, is that sometimes we have a very communist view of Jesus. Uh, did I say communist? Sorry. <coughs> that, that, that Jesus was supposed to just heal everybody. But, but what I'm picturing here, the text tells us that there was a multitude of invalids, paralyzed, blind, lame, all kinds of people that were broken. And, and Jesus sees this man in the multitude and, and does one of these, uh, excuse me, um, not, not you, uh, excuse me, you. He doesn't heal everybody. Not everybody is chosen for a miracle. But he picks this man. He sees this man. I, th- there's a definite reason why Jesus picked this man. We'll get to that next week. But he picks this man and, and he approaches him and says, uh, do you want to be healed? I wish I was there. I wish I was there because I'd have whispered in Jesus' ear, Jesus, don't ask stupid questions. <laughs> it's obvious. There's multitudes of sick people in these five colonies that are trying to get into the water in order to be healed. Why would you ask the man? That's almost insulting, Jesus. Come on. Jesus says, do you want to be healed? Some people have said that Jesus was, was, was a psychologist, you know. He, he wanted the person to recognize their need first. And so when a person finally gets to the place where they really, really, really want it, they've hit rock bottom, then they're ready for a miracle. Jesus was not psychoanalyzing the guy. The the question was a question that Jesus knew would, would penetrate the man's heart and get him to engage. This was a question that, that shows us the deep love and concern that Jesus has for people. Amen. Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered, well, wait, 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 what had happened was, sir, um, uh, you, you don't understand. Uh, I, 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 I have nobody to, to put me into the pool. I mean, the reason why I'm in this condition, the reason why I'm, I'm here is because I have no one to, to, to help me get in. If, if I had somebody to help me get in, maybe I'd, I'd experience something. If I had somebody who would shove the other sick people out of the way so I could be the first one in, maybe I'd have a chance. Point number one on the changes Required for transformation. Change, number one, you must change what you believe. You must change what you believe. See, here's the thing is that this man believes in the water. The 
This man believes in the stirring of the water. This man believes that there's an angel that stirs the water. And if you're the first one in, this is the doctrine that this man believes. Jesus, the one who, who invented water, who created water, who started it all, who sustains the universe, and who speaks and people are healed. Perhaps he hadn't received the memo on who Jesus was, but Jesus is standing in front of him. Jesus can just say it with one word, but this man says, I need you to help me get in the water. His belief was not in Jesus. His belief was in the stirring of the waters. He had a method. He had a doctrine. He had a philosophy. He had a principle that he placed his faith in. When Jesus was right in front of him. How many times have we encountered Jesus Jesus wants to do something, but we want him to do it our way. Every Sunday, some of us come to church and, and we worship God and we pray to God and, and we go to regroups and we read our word. And, and what we're doing is we're trying to find what fits my philosophy, what fits my method, what fits my way. Oh, that's it, Lord. I want you to do it this way. The Lord has spoken. I received confirmation because you're stuck in your methodology. And the thing about, the, about our belief system is that our belief system is informed by our culture, our tradition, our family structure, our experiences. But when we encounter Jesus, we must surrender our culture, tradition, philosophy, education, experiences at his feet, and say that my believing hasn't gotten me anywhere the last 38 years. I'm here to encounter Jesus. Amen. Change what you believe in. Number two, you must change your expectation. Change your expectation. This man, when he answers the question, he says, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm going down, another steps down before me. You see, the thing is this, that when you've, when you've uh, created an economy of dependency, you, you know how to, how to say things and to respond to things in order to get what you really want from them. Some of you have never been users. Bless the Lord. Amen. The rest of us... <coughs> The rest of us know how to say something. I remember I, a few a few years ago, I'd gone back to my hometown, and and um, I, there's a guy that I grew up with who who chose a very different path, and and he is currently a crackhead. And so uh, I ran to my friend Dave, and 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 I see Dave. And I'm like, Dave and I, we used to play basketball together. We used to hang out together. We used to have rap battles against each other. I'd win sometimes, and other times he'd beat me silly. But this was my friend Dave, and I see. Dave, I haven't seen him in years. I'm like, Dave, what's up? Come on, what's, what's going on? And, and Dave comes up to me and he says, uh, John, uh, do you have 67 cents? Of course nobody's carrying around 67 cents. But you might have a dollar. So I'm like, no, I don't have 67 cents, but I have a dollar, man. Keep the change. And he turned around and walked away. We didn't even get to catch up. I was like, that was so smooth. Had he asked me for a dollar, I'd have probably said No. But he asked me for 67 cents, and he got me to respond. The man says, sir, 
here's my dilemma. I'm glad you're here. You look like an able-bodied man. Were you a carpenter? You have such bulging muscles. My problem, the reason why I can't experience the healing I so want is because I don't have anybody. These other people bring their their family members. I'm alone. I'm here by myself. I'm alone in a crowd. I'm just, it's just poor old me. I have no one to help me get in the water. And, And whenever I do get in the water, someone else gets in before I do. Can you help me? Is what he's saying. Not can you heal me because you're able, but my expectation is limited to what I believe that you can do. In order to experience transformation in your life with Jesus, you must change your expectation of what Jesus can do for you. Because if you see him as merely a man, you'll only ask him things in terms of him being merely a man. Oh, man. I wish I could preach it here this morning. See, the thing is this, is that sometimes we pray to God like this. Well, God, if you can only help me the way that I think you can help me, because anything else would be a miracle. And we all know I really don't believe in miracles. We sometimes truly don't believe in the power of God. It's like those cute stories that, I have faith, I have faith. Jesus walked on the water. He fed the 5,000. He sees the sparrow fall, but he doesn't see me at all. That is truly what we live. That's the belief that we live in. We have this limitation. God can only do it this way because that's what I think he can do. Change our expectation. I've told the story. I'll tell you again. Um, a few years ago, I was running a, a, a small business in, in Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska. And, you know, anybody ever been involved in a startup where you've put all your money in? And like, you know, now you you have the trapping, the looks of success, but you've got to fake it till you make it. You know what I mean? You know, you're you're got the big old office and and the the nice car and all the employees and and they don't know that you're living on credit. That's the bank's money. You have to turn a profit still. And it was one of those times where, where my cash flow was jacked. I mean, it was just like it was messed up. But, but business was going. It was, it was picking up. And, and I got invited to go to a dinner at one of the most expensive, exclusive uh, clubs in, in Lincoln, Nebraska. And, and the, the, it was a, 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 a consortium of, of small business leaders and, and up-and-coming leaders in the city that, that were invited to this thing. And I was like, I have to go for the networking uh, possibilities there. But I didn't have the money to even order an orange juice off the menu. You ever, had, you ever been in that situation where, where, you're, where you're ordering based on the, what's on the right hand of the menu? You know what I'm talking about? Well, you're like, oh, three, okay, no, 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 no. That's way, ah, salad, that's what I'll have. I feel like salad, that was me, because it was the cheapest thing, 1995 for a Caesar salad. I was like, oh, you know, I, I know that I've heard about the steaks here, but I really just, I'm feeling like I just want to be vegetarian tonight. Everybody else is getting filet, fillet bignon, filet mignon, 
porterhouse steaks. And I'm looking at them, judging them. I'm like, oh, you know, do you know what meat does to your body? (laughs) No, I'm just doing the salad tonight. Everybody had steak. They ordered dessert. I just had salad. At the end of the dinner, the people hosting the dinner said, hey, by the way, your checks are taken care of by us. I just wanted the salad. (laughs) I made a decision based on my expectation. And my expectation is very limited to what was going to happen that day. I made a decision based on what I had to bring to the table. A lot of times when we come to God, we will only ask him, we will only implore of him what we believe we can do ourselves, and we just want to attach his name to it. Glory to God, I was only able to uh, get average because I'm an average guy. (laughs) Glory to God. It had not been for the Lord helping me out to be average because that's all I could do. Uh, Glory to God. (laughs) Glory to God. And God's like, stop putting my name on that. Change your believing and change your expectation. You guys with me this morning? Says the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm going another steps down before me, Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. You must change your believing, change your expectation. And number three, change your position. This man is lying there, and Jesus says, and he, he hears all the excuses, hears all the different ways that this man's trying to ask him to do something that Jesus has a whole nother agenda for. And so Jesus interrupts him and says, get up, take your bed, and walk. The very thing that he cannot do is what Jesus asks him to do. How many times has God asked you to do something that you knew you could not do? That's what Jesus asked him. Get up, take up your bed, and walk. Get up, take your bed, and walk. For 38 years, this man has not felt his muscles move. But all of a sudden, he feels movement. He feels that tingling. He feels something is different. Something has happened to my body. Something is going on. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, I can feel it. I mean, can you imagine what's happening in this man's mind right now? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can feel my toes. And the text says that at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. He didn't even turn around to catch Jesus' name. He didn't even say, sir, thank you so much. He just got up. He said, I'm out of here. He picked up his mat and he walked. We got to change our position. This whole thing where we encounter Jesus is a a thing of, of, of not staying exactly where Jesus found us. 
When we encounter Jesus, the call is get up from where you are. Get up from where you've been resting, your resting place, the place where you've been stuck. Get up from there, pick up your belongings, and move somewhere else. He says walk. John uses the word walk many other times in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And you see the same theme of, of walking in Ephesians. And uh, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we were, for we are his workmanship, created long ago for good works that we may walk in them. In, in, in 1 John, John says this, he says, we are to walk as children of light. We are to walk. My definition of walk is live out life. Walk. If you have been a Christian for two and a half minutes, uh, maybe you'll go to a Bible study and, and someone, some well-meaning believer will say, how's, how's your walk, Joel? How, how's your walk? Man is instructed to get up, pick up his mat, and walk. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. I, I, we're going to deal with this next week, but I wish Jesus had not said anything about the bed. I, I really wish. See, see, the thing that's happening here, we'll, we'll get into it next week, but I'll give you a little preview. What's happened is that from John chapter 1, uh, Jesus has, has, has been teaching the, about the kingdom of God like no other. Even his adversaries are like, OMG, we have never heard anybody teach and explain the kingdom like this man does. We have never seen anything like it. We hate him, but we got to respect him. He's been performing signs and wonders, healing the sick and, and turning water to wine and healing uh, the official son. And this encounter with this woman in Samaria has been phenomenal in that the entire village is now placing their faith in him. They said that in his height of his, of his uh, uh, three-year career, Jesus had over 100,000 followers. This was before Twitter, boys and girls. Over 100,000 followers following Jesus. But somehow... At his crucifixion, only 120 could be found to be true disciples. The momentum that shifted in Jesus' career starts in John chapter 5. And it starts with the bed. What's the mat got to do with it, Jesus? The man could have simply gotten up and walked and it would have been perfectly fine. But Jesus was concerned about the bed. He says, I don't want you to leave the bed here. Uh, and, and, and what I gather from that, what I pull from that is that Jesus is telling the man that you no longer live at this pool. You no longer live at this place of dysfunction. You can't go and then come back to this place. How many times as believers, Jesus has captured our hearts and picked us up and, and, and told us to walk and move on, but we still want to go back to those places that were so familiar to us. We still want to go and find our resting place in the place of dysfunction, the place of despair. That's where we are comfortable. That's where we want to cozy up and be snuggled and feel comfortable at. And Jesus Jesus is saying, get up, pick up your bed. You don't live here anymore. Walk. Go somewhere else. Move on. Move on. How many times have we gotten up, 
only to sit back in the same old sin. How many times have we gotten up, walked around a little bit, but came back to those resting places, those residences in our hearts that God tried to take us from? Get up. Pick up your bed. You don't live here anymore. Now walk. This man is chosen from a multitude of people. It's very much like salvation. It's not that Jesus foresaw this man and and knew that this man was going to respond with so much faith that Jesus said, okay, I'm going to choose him because he's going to respond in faith. It's not that Jesus foresaw this man's worship and adoration of Jesus. In the end, Jesus knew that this man was going to sell him out. We'll talk about that next week. Jesus didn't see faith in this man. As a matter of fact, this was one of those incidents in in, in the miracles of Jesus where the person doesn't ask Jesus for healing. There's no faith in this man. He's simply sovereignly chosen. Not because this man is purposefully seeking God. There is no seeking of God. There is no seeking of Jesus. There is no response of faith or worship. As a matter of fact, it tells us that after all this is done, the man just simply went away. Later on in John chapter 6, we're going to discover this, in that when Jesus gives a very heavy teaching, some of his disciples continue following him, but the same language is used. The others just simply went away. This man experiences Jesus and just goes away. Jesus chose him in spite of himself. It's the same thing for some of us today. You've been called, picked out of a multitude. You've had your own philosophies and belief systems and principles and ideas, things that were informed to you by your tradition, your culture, your Kim Kardashian viewing your Housewives of Atlanta viewing and your LL Cool J, Jay-Z and Trick Daddy viewing. Yes, Tommy, I said Trick Daddy. Because you don't know Nan. It's been informed by the politicians. And might I even say this? I was going to save it for next week. It's been informed by your Christianity. The man is healed, but the religious people don't see the healing. They just see the breaking of a rule. We'll talk about that next week. It's going to be good. Bring your most judgmental people to church next week. We're going to set them free. Jesus is saying, change your belief when you encounter him to fully get transformation. Change your expectation. Expand your limitations. Actually, get rid of limitations. Change your position. 
Some of us have been stuck in the same place, the same treadmill of living our Christian life the same way, never experiencing breakthrough. Could it be that we didn't get up, we didn't pick up the mat, and we didn't walk? My challenge to you this morning is get up. Pick up your bed. You don't live here anymore. And walk. Start walking. Let's pray. For more information, visit relevant316.com.